I can preach to you. Amen. Even as uh, from uh, this morning's sermon, there were several of you, many of you said you preached on my toes today, Brother Josh. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad you came back. Amen. I'm just glad you came back. Uh, yeah, I, I really, um, I, I agree. I agree with Brother Danny. I, I, I don't think that we're better off. It'd be different, you know, we ran an experiment and we, our country was better. I, I don't think we're better off at all, you know. I don't, uh, we could, we should really make the argument that we don't have enough church services. I mean, people need the Lord. They need to, they need to hear the Word of God. They need to have a place to go. And uh, always think about, like, it's the Lord's day, you know. It's, uh, it's even spelled with an apostrophe S. Y'all go to elementary school, that meant, that meant possession. You know, that's his, his day. And uh, I, I, uh, I think America would be, our communities would be far better off if we just followed the Chick-fil-A model. Amen. Uh, I think that, uh, I think our country would be so much more sanctified. Amen. Because of it. So, yeah, amen. I, I'm glad I got a place to go to tonight. Amen. I really am glad. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms, chapter Psalm chapter 55, verse number 12, 13, 14. Then we're going to look at some other passages to support the text, as, as I normally try to do. Uh, I, don't, I, really like, uh, I don't think it's appropriate to read a text and then, uh, then preach a thought that has nothing to do with the text. I think it should be supported uh, by Scripture. And it's always dangerous, of course. You, you should never build a biblical doctrine on one verse. Uh, it needs to be balanced. Uh, there's there's the, the other verses, other passages speak to it. And uh, so we're willing to not, we'll see that uh, that example in the sermon. But I, I'd like to speak with you tonight uh, about something that I've been burdened about recently. Um, about something that I think that, that we need to be reminded about. And my experience recently, you know, God or in circumstances gets you to look at your Bible. Um, and God has been doing that with me the last few weeks. There's, there's a range of circ- some circumstances in my life that has uh, made me think and ponder and meditate on the Word of God. And, uh, and I want to share with you um, what God has uh, dealt with me about. And I, I, want to remind, I want this to remind our church um, that, that we absolutely need to be a church that strives for peace and unity and love and uh, that we are a church where, where Christian people can relax in the presence of other Christian people. Amen? So I would like to preach to you tonight about how to prevent and then how to deal with church hurts. How to prevent it and then how to deal with it with church hurts. There ain't no hurt like church hurt. Notice that. Anybody here ever been hurt in church? Have you? That's it. I don't believe it. I bet all of you have. And if you haven't, you're probably going to be. Okay? That's just the way it is. Um, we are, even as Christians, we are not perfect people. Sometimes we get in our way, um, we get out of His will. As, as they sung to us. We come short of what Jesus teaches us to do. So many times we even do it accidentally, ignorantly. Um, you know, the definition even of selfishness, 
even, a lot of times we think of selfishness as a, uh, as a, as a militant action against somebody else, but really selfishness in its purest sense is just um, thinking about self. You're not against anybody else, but you're just thinking about self. And a lot of times that does happen at the expense, though, of everybody else. You can be the nicest person in the world and still be selfish. And that hurts and harms people because everything is about you. So I, I feel burdened to, uh, to preach this, not, and not, not because of uh, not because Bryce is back enough. I mean, if he is, I don't know it. But uh, I want to share with you what God has uh, shared with me. Again, how to prevent and how to deal with church hurt. So Psalm chapter 55, verse 12 through 14 is one of the greatest, I think, descriptions of that in the Word of God. Uh, David says in verse 12, For it was not the enemy that reproached me. So you see where somebody, it's a friend. It's not, it's not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have warned it. That's easy. I mean, somebody you don't like, somebody that don't like you, they say, you're a dummy. You're like, well, whatever. You know. But if, if, if it's somebody that's your friend, that's hard to bear. It's hard to handle. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it, David said. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. That would have been easy. That's, that's normal. Then I would have hid myself from him. I just left the guy. But it was thou, man, my equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God, unto the house of God in company. So they worshiped together. They prayed together. They sang in the choir together. Worked in Bible school together. They parked close to each other. They shook hands and fellowship with each other. David said, if it had been anybody else, I could have borne it. I could have handled it. If it had been an enemy, if it could have been somebody in traffic, they could have yelled at me, cursed at me. I just laughed. But it wasn't that, David said. It, it was somebody that I, for our application, true for David as well, somebody that I went to church with. That is hard to deal with. You know, even, as I, even as I speak to you not about that, my, my mind goes back to some experiences that I think I still, I still uh, carry the scars with. In me, I do. Um, there have been a few occasions, I think, uh, I think I don't need all to make light of this and all who suffer with this, but uh, sometimes you can get hurt so bad for a while you can have what is it post-traumatic stress disorder. That you are you are on such edge that you you will avoid that at all costs. Because what you thought was reality, couldn't find out that's not really what real life was like. That's shocking to you. So for a while maybe you push people away. You you hide in your little bubble, maybe your little circle, and you uh, you don't want that to ever happen again. So you isolate yourself. Sometimes even church people do that. Because that happened to them, they completely isolate themselves. So they don't want that to ever, ever, ever happen again. And I want to say, before I get any further, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. That's exactly his plan. That's exactly what he wants here at our church. He, he wants this one to avoid that one and that group to be mad at that group. I think it was Brother Keith Trigger one time I heard him preach. He said after several decades of pastoring, he said, when I finally got group A, he quit arguing with group B. He said, 
said, it'd be great to see you show up. <laughs> and that's what the devil wants. That's exactly the design of it. He's an accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He's a gossiper. And it, sometimes it's true even, but sometimes things that are true don't need to be spread around. Say amen. And so he wants to make sure people need people hear things that really they shouldn't hear at all. And so church hurt, man, I'd be honest with you, that is hard to deal with. So first of all, how do we prevent How do we prevent church hurt? Well, we need to be careful. We need to be careful and considerate towards other people. We need to be conscious that that is possible to happen. We need to be conscious that it's possible that you are the one that not only has been hurt, but if let's be honest with ourselves, you've also probably been the one that has done the hurting. You have been hurt and you have hurt. You know why? Because you're a person. And a lot of times we hurt people, oftentimes ignorantly. And we do things and we don't intend the consequences to be what they are. So I, I would know that if you've been to church longer than a year, you have been hurt and you probably have hurt. You have ignorantly or unknowingly rather, or less offensive term maybe, have done something, maybe selfishly, not in a, a militant way, not in a way on purpose, left somebody out, overlooked someone, not shook a hand, because we need to consider everyone that has, everybody, every person has different backgrounds, different personalities. And now I know we don't want to be sensitive either, but we have to consider each other. That not everybody is a carbon copy of you. I've learned about myself that I, I, I have trouble, me, I have trouble having empathy. I have sympathy. But empathy is putting yourself in the, in the emotional state of someone else. Like if Jason breaks his arm, I, I have sympathy that he broke his arm. But I have trouble feeling what Jason feels. And that has been one of my hindrances in ministry. And Greg has helped me with that. And she's talked to me about it. Like, you know, um, somebody's going through something and I don't feel it. I'm aware of it. Maybe that's our nature, mother. Maybe that's how we were born into the world. I don't know. And I have to be conscious of me and also have to be conscious of other people because I sure don't want to hurt somebody's feelings who is going through something and I need to feel what they are feeling. Amen. So the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24, listen to this passage. And let us consider one another, consider each other. How do we prevent church hurt? We need to consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So that means everything, every interaction we have towards each other should be to provoke unto love and to good works. The way we interact with each other is for good works. The way we interact with each other is to provoke one another, consider one another, provoke unto love. And if it's not that, we need to be very careful because it is so easy to sometimes offend someone when we don't even know that we've done it. So understand that you've been hurt, but also understand that you've probably done the hurting too. I've learned this hadn't you enough, long enough being in church. The devil can twist a situation around, can't he? And he can get it so mixed up 
And that is not even what you said or thought or intended. We are not ignorant of his devices. Amen? Consider one another. So that's how we, uh, that's how we interact with each other. We need to be aware of that. That I have the capability to destroy Nelda with my behavior towards her or my words towards her or my actions towards her or me not considering her. You see how it works? That, I have the, you have the power to do that too. Or Sherry or Bashy or Jason or Hayden or Pete. You can do that. And since that's possible, be aware of that. Amen? Be aware of it. Now that's how we act towards other people, but I want to speak for a moment how, how you are to how you are to act, not towards other people, but what you expect out of other people. Because feelings are hurt two ways. It's either, it's either someone acted towards you or how you responded towards them. Or you thought they should have done something. You thought they should have handled it different. You thought they should have done that for you. And that's also a way that feelings can be hurt. So how do I prevent my feelings from being hurt in church? Well, consider one another. Amen. But number two, and I've wrestled with this, and for a few days, and what I'm going to say, is it biblical? And I'm convinced now that it is. Listen carefully. How to prevent yourself from being hurt in church. Do not expect anything from anyone in church. Do not expect anyone to do anything for you in church. That might sound shocking, but hear me out. Jesus has called us to serve, not to be served. You are not to sit and expect church people to do something for you. But you are to go do things for them. So don't expect, lower your expectations, don't expect, don't come into this building expecting that as a Christian, that the other Christian is supposed to serve you. Because if you think that, you will get your feelings hurt. Every time. Look at the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 3. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 3. Don't expect as a Christian anything from another Christian that you're going to hold them to some service that that they are required to do for you. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind... Let each esteem the other better than themselves. So that means you're putting your mind in the position that Jason is above me. That I am lower than Jason. Look at verse 4. Look not every man on his own things. Look not on what you need. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So here's the attitude of the Christian church member. I'm not expecting Jason to do things for me. 
I'm supposed to do things for Jason. I'm under no expectation that he is supposed to serve me in any way. Because if that's my expectation, he will fail me, won't he? He will come short of that. So I am to leave my expectations at the door. He is not to serve me. I am supposed to serve him. He is supposed to serve me. You see how this works? Now we're both serving each other, and I'm not sitting back thinking what he did or did not do to me. Jesus says, let this be in you. Look at verse, at verse number 5. Let this mind be in you. What mind? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then we got this example. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God in a high and lofty place, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he, but he made himself of no reputation, and look at the form he took, and took upon him the form of a servant. What's a servant do? Servant does things for other people. A servant does not serve. A servant does not get served to, rather. A servant does the serving. Nobody is handing the servant anything. The servant is handing other people everything. So let this be in you, who Jesus, equal with God, verse 7, made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. So we should have died. We should have died. That would have been right. But Jesus died in our place. He came to serve us and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister. Amen? What was it the great, one of the old-time great presidents say? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. Amen? So if the expectation is, let's, let's imagine, you come into the building, nobody shook my hand. I used to think that was a joke. It's not a joke. Nobody shook my hand. The question should be this, have you shaken anybody's hand? Well, nobody said hello to me. I'm talking about Christian people. I'm not talking about visitors or, or people who need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I, this, is the, this is the family. Nobody said hello to me. The question shouldn't be that. It should be, have I said hello to anyone? Nobody called me. You wouldn't believe the hurt feelings over that right there. Nobody visited me. Have you called anyone? Have you visited? We need to develop in our church this servant attitude. Because here's what will happen. It, it, th maybe you're sick in the hospital and nobody visited you, but the question is, and I'm, listen, people should be cared for. Amen? That's not at all. You're missing the point if you're missing that. But... You're in the hospital, been there two days, and let's suppose nobody visited you. I want to say, first of all, have you, has, the, has the information got out? Do people know that? But let's say they do know it and nobody came. The question should be asked, in the past 20 years, have you ever went? 
Have you ever went? Have you ever called? So the, the attitude, the devil sets up churches for destruction and hurt feelings because he creates in our, our flesh the temptation, the desire is, is that I came here to be served. No. No. You came here to serve one another. So how do you keep your feelings from getting hurt in church? I think this is, I think this is the number one attitude of the heart that would solve a lot of church hurt is this. Don't expect anything from anyone. Don't do that. Come with the expectation that you're going to serve. Not, I want to be served. Lower your expectations about what people should do. Shake someone's hand. I've often heard, you know, some, I wish somebody would say amen. You do it. <laughs> But I tell you what, I wish somebody would sing that song. That ain't right. <laughs> Here's the hymn book. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. You, you serve. You serve. Change the attitude of your heart that I am coming to serve other people and I'm not coming here to be served. I'm coming here to make a difference in someone's life I'm not coming here for people constantly to make a difference in my life. And you know what will happen if that happens in this building? You will be served. And your spiritual needs will be met. Because if we all serve one another, you're in the one another. Amen. But don't sit around being hurt. Because don't expect anything from anyone. You serve. Amen. You serve. Now, how do we deal with it when it happens? Lastly, second half. Well, the first thing that comes to my heart and mind is definitely pray. Absolutely, you should go to God in prayer about it first. There is no hurt like church hurt, and we should cast our care upon Him because He careth for us. Amen? When I'm hurting and praying, you know what? I'm trying to, I'm asking Jesus to help me make sense of it. Amen? I'm trying to rationalize what happened. I need to be healed. I need God to heal me. I need God to do something in my heart that I can't do. I, I, I need God to take the sting away, the pain away. If you're like me, I get confused. I'm in shock. I don't know how this happened. I, I wish it would quit. I, I, it's like a fog. It's like time has stopped. It's awful. It's excruciating. You don't need to bear that burden alone. Amen? You need to take that burden to God in prayer. Do not bear that burden alone. You, number one, when you get hurt in church, you take it to God in prayer and you hang out there with Him for a while because you're going to need Him, okay? And the devil has launched a humongous cruise missile into your heart and a bunch of pieces are broken up. And there's a lot of emotions scattered everywhere. And there's a lot of memories been tore apart. A lot of friendships on the line. And there's a lot of family ties that are connected to this. And he's blown up your world. You need to go to God to help. Get some help, amen. I mean, beg Him to help you. And know when you're begging Him, He cares about you, amen. And He knows what it's like to be betrayed. And He knows what it's like to feel the pain that you feel. You just curl up in your little fetal spiritual position and you just cry and you let it out and you talk to Jesus, amen. Because He can help you, amen. He can help you and He will help you if you'll go to Him in prayer. 
that I've been hurt, haven't you? And I'm telling you, after I've been hurt, I want to give up, I want to quit, I want to stop, because I was doing it for the good intention, with good intentions, and I'm being accused of wickedness, and I want to throw in the towel, and I need God to help me, because the last place that I want to go to after I've been hurt like that is back to the place where I got hurt like that. God help me. If you're like me, I've had to drag myself back to church by the strength of God's amazing grace. Amen. Just help me, Lord, to get through the first Sunday school class again. The first Sunday morning worship again. Help me, Lord. Help me to get back up behind the pulpit one more time because without you, I'm going to melt and fall apart. Just help me, Lord, one more time. So what do you do when you get hurt? I mean, you run to the rock that is higher than you. Amen? You stick to a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And in those sweet moments of pain, yes, I said that, those sweet moments of pain, you're reminded that Jesus Christ has never left you. And he's always been there for you. And like Nelda said this morning, you are reminded that I'm going there to worship Jesus. And I'm going there to hear his word. And I'm going there to exercise New Testament principles of forgiveness and patience and forbearance and kindness and doing good to those who do me bad. I'm not running away. By God's amazing grace, I'm going to bear it. If you'll help me, Lord. You ever had to grit your teeth and come on in? You have. Amen. You ever just, and you just come back again? That's church hurt. That's church hurt. And what do you do about it? You pray about it. You pray about it. Number two, what do you do about it? This is the hard part. When you're praying and asking Jesus how you would, are to respond appropriately and you're seeking God's Word, you're going to find something there that is hard to swallow. Jesus wants you to do something that is somewhat harder than dealing with the pain. Because the devil wants you to stay in that pain. He wants you to waller in the pain. He wants to paralyze you by the pain. And Jesus wants to get you out of that. And the only way you can get out of it, listen carefully... You have got to go forward. You've got to go forward. And going forward is more than praying because praying is the way that God's Holy Spirit puts legs on your prayer life. He wants you to do something. And what He wants you to do is more excruciating sometimes than the pain that you feel. It's easier just to be in pain. What do you do when you experience church hurt? You go and talk to the one who hurt you. Some people are like, I'm not doing that. Then you'll be in pain. You go and talk to the one who hurt you. Jesus said in Luke chapter number 1, excuse me, chapter 17, verse 1, Then he said unto the disciples, he said unto church people, excuse me, Christians, because not every church person is a Christian, he said unto the disciples, listen to this, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. What is Jesus saying? There will be disagreements. 
there will be trouble. There will be hurt feelings. It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him whom they come. So don't be the cause of it. Verse 2. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones. But verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Now some of you are thinking, well good, Jesus has given me permission to yell at people. That's, that's not quite it. I know you want to, but you can't. In Matthew chapter number 18, Jesus helps us deal with trouble between us. In verse number 15, if thy brother, of Matthew 18, hear the word brother, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go, go, you got to go talk. Go tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So what's the point of talking about it? To chew him out? Mm -mm. To gain your brother. That's the point. Because Jesus wants us to all get along. Jesus wants us to be brothers and sisters. Jesus wants us to be family. Many of you are often wondering, like me, what is God's will for my life? It is God's will for your life that if there's trouble between you and someone else because of some church issue, it is God's will for your life to go and have a conversation with that person and to settle that issue, to gain your brother. Because you know what the devil wants instead? He wants that pew upset with that pew. He wants that preacher mad at that preacher. He wants that deacon aggravated at that deacon. And you know what happens when that happens? We can't worship. We can't enjoy Jesus together. We can't have, the Holy Spirit can't flow from breast to breast because it'll... It's wanting to bounce off of Bryson, but maybe it stops because Bryson's just mad at Jason. They're not mad, are you? I don't think you are. Okay. You good? Okay. Amen. <laughs> we'll settle it right here. <laughs> now that brings up a point, though. Notice, go and tell them his fault between thee and him. What? alone. They're not to get in an argument in front of other church members. The point of it is, is to lower the tensity of the group. To go to them alone and talk to each other to gain their fellowship with each other. Now if that don't work, if Bryson keyed Jason's Ford Explorer and he went to Bryson and he said, hey, you, you keyed my Explorer I want you to do something about it, and Bryson spits on it, and they haven't resolved it, then what does Jason do? Verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, and the mouth of two witnesses, every word may be established. And if Jason brings another group, a couple people with him, and says, hey, everything's established, are you going to repent of this? And Bryson says, I'm not going to repent. And not only has he keyed it and spit on it, he takes a hammer and he bashes out the taillight. Now what, what does that mean then? Hey, Bryson, we're not in fellowship with you. you. You can't be here. You can't worship with us. We're trying to make it right. And you are 
absolutely trying to destroy what God is doing here. Verse 17, And if any neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Literally, Bryson, you're excommunicated. Amen. We don't want that. We need him, though. Amen. So we want to gain our brother. We don't, and what's happened is, I'm about through, is we, you say, well, I've never seen the church excommunicate anybody, kick them out of the church, but I've seen people excommunicate themselves. I've seen people leave over hurt feelings. Now, sometimes that's unfair, because if you leave over hurt feelings and nobody knows it, that's your fault. You ain't told nobody. So don't, don't get feelings hurt and leave and then be mad at everybody because you left, but that's unfair to the people you left because most of the time they don't even really know what you're hurt about. So you've got to go and talk to them. And just because you're leaving because you're upset does not justify the action. You have to go and talk to them. Because if not, you're wrong if you won't go talk to them. There's been a lot of people excommunicate themselves over hurt feelings. Lastly, how do you deal with it? You pray. Number two, you speak. You speak with those who hurt you. Number three, last thing from this morning's sermon, you forgive those who've hurt you. I want to read one verse to you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. And be ye kind to one another. Be nice. Kids, kids, look at me. If you're under 15, or if you're under 90, look at me. Be nice to each other. Okay? Because we don't know how a one word can destroy somebody that night. I'd hate to know that one word, loosely spoken, has wrecked somebody. And you don't even know it. You're at home eating your dip dog, corn dog maybe, and that person's just can't even sleep. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. It means you're tenderhearted towards them. Forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Last thing I want to say is if you've been hurt in church, do not give up. Amen. I think it was Russ Cooper who said, Everywhere I've ever been, I've been hurt. Everywhere I've ever been. I got hurt at the ball field. I mean, my feelings hurt. I've been hurt at school. I've been hurt at work. I've had my feelings hurt everywhere I've ever been. And we've always gone back to those places. Don't give up on your church. Amen? Don't do it. How do you deal with it? And how do you prevent it? Church hurt. Let's stand to our feet. What song are we going to sing, Bryson? 375. Page 375. 375.